from Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show with Matt West. And here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show. Heard around the world as a podcast here in Southern Colorado on the radio. AM 1460 and FM 101.1 The Answer. Matt West here hanging out with you on a Sunday talking cars probably the last uh good weekend of car weather we are supposed to be getting some cold weather and some snow here in the coming week leading up to uh thanksgiving but hey i've got a really packed show for you we all knew i talked about this last week we all knew that f1 in vegas uh was gonna be challenging but nobody quite predicted how challenging it actually was um, so much. So it was so challenging, by the way. And there were so many issues that some spectators are even suing F1. So <laughs> we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, I had the opportunity to have a chat with drifting legend Taka Ano, And I talked to him about his 11,000 RPM you heard that right. 11,000 RPM AE86. Um, and uh, I I talked to him while at SEMA. This is something I recorded while I was at the SEMA show a few weeks ago. And it was very cool. And I want to share it with you here on the radio show. Um, by the way, as you'll, you'll hear me nerd out a little bit about the AE86 platform because I own two of them. So I'm, I'm kind of a Toyota nerd in some ways. Um, you know, I, I have been known to say Toyota can do no wrong. Wrong, which they still can't, by the way. They, they can't. It's just impossible. The universe would end before Toyota could could do something wrong. So um, that being said, we're going to get to that and your car sounds in this edition of the show. Now, I want to give you a heads up that coming up next week after Thanksgiving, I am going to be uh, busy on Thanksgiving, filling my belly with delicious food and uh, um, probably probably doing nothing car related, maybe aside from driving my car to to go visit family for for Thanksgiving. I don't know. But uh, I am going to uh, after that, though, after Thanksgiving, I have a very special guest joining me on the show a week from today. His name is Steve Emmers. He is known on the Internet as the guardrail guy. He is a safety advocate for road safety and for uh, specifically he focuses on guardrails and how dangerous guardrails are. And he really opened my eyes to just how dangerous and tragic guardrail crashes can be. We think of guardrails as something um, that saves lives, right? They're, they're, they're a safety item, right? They should be saving lives. Well, as it turns out, incorrectly installed guardrails, incorrectly designed guardrails, um, and more and are, are incredibly dangerous. And Steve, uh, he's a really good guy, and he lost his daughter to a, um, a guardrail crash, and that, that kick-started his his advocacy to make sure that didn't happen to somebody else. So um, he's really he's got a really heartfelt story. He's very motivated in what he's doing, and he has some amazing ideas on how we can rectify this problem. Uh, and he's made some incredible headway in doing so himself. So it's it's a little heavier of a topic, but it needs to be discussed uh, because we all drive on the roads, and it's um, and what he's doing is really really important. And I think you need to hear it. So next week. Uh, right at the Sunday, right after Thanksgiving, I'm having Steve. He's on the show. He's going to join me, and we're going to talk about road safety, guardrail 
uh, advocacy for safer guardrails and more. So you really don't want to miss that. It's going to be a very special uh, show. Now, before we get into uh, anything else here on the show, I have to open with um, with this. So <laughs> if you've seen have you seen the movie Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby, of course, you know, you got Will Ferrell, you know, playing him in the movie and and things like that. It's a it's a it's a comedy movie centered around NASCAR uh, It is a very much loved movie by a great many people as well. Um, so much so very much loved by Kevin Harvick, NASCAR driver himself, uh, who, by the way, just retired from full time racing earlier this month in his career. He had 60 wins, including including the Daytona 500, the Coca-Cola 600, and the 2014 Cup Series Championship. And um, he, you know, probably as an accomplished racing driver, had a, had a nice budget to buy a house. <laughs> this is where this gets cool. This, this is fun. Um, because he bought a mansion, as a retired NASCAR driver might. He bought a mansion that turns out was Ricky Bobby. Obviously, the fictional character in the movie it was Ricky Bobby's mansion. It was the, mo- the mansion where they filmed a ton of scenes in the movie. So yeah, you could just say it was Ricky Bobby's mansion. And I think, isn't this the coolest thing? Retired NASCAR driver goes and buys Ricky Bobby's mansion from Talladega Nights. By the way, this mansion, I know this is a car show, but come on, this is a 12,000 square foot mansion, six bedroom, nine bathroom house with a bar and an infinity pool, a boat dock, and it came in at a crispy 6.75 million dollars which actually was a discount apparently it was listed for two million dollars more than that so <laughs> what happened is the uh, the previous owners of it had bought it several years ago uh for about four million dollars not even knowing the house's historical provenance as the great ricky bobby's house uh or the house that was in the movie obviously but uh they bought it and they didn't realize it and then they over time discovered that wait a minute this looks like the house from the movie they do some digging turns out it really was the house from the movie and um and i i mean you know what if they weren't fans of the movie before i'm sure they were fans of the movie after that because come on if you buy the house the, that they filmed a lot of scenes in you, you got it you got to do it now uh the unfortunate thing is they didn't realize that before renovating much of the house so a lot of the house isn't really original to the film anymore there are a couple rooms are a couple of rooms that were on camera uh, more specifically, are still original to the uh, to the movie. So that's really cool. The only downside, um, the only downside to a mansion like this, yeah, it's got a boat dock. Obviously, a retired NASCAR driver is going to have a, a boat, but where's the racetrack? Come, on. I mean, like, yeah, I get that you spent your whole career racing. You may never want to see another racetrack again, but come on, when you got this kind of money to spend buying a mansion and having a racetrack around it or buying a mansion in one of these racetrack type communities that's next to it. Like, come on, man, what are you doing? You spent years racing in NASCAR and you're, you're going to quit now. Come on, come on. (laughs) No, I don't know. But anyway, I thought this was um, really uh, entertaining. And uh, how much money would you pay for Ricky Bobby's house? Uh, I, I don't know how much can you even put a price tag on that? Can you put a price tag on it? I, I mean, I don't think you can. Now, clearly, it was six point seven five million dollars that that was the price tag. But this is this is really cool. Like the, the, the only downside to this is I think every single time you have guests over, you have friends over to your house, you know, you have to watch the movie like every time there's no without fail. You are bound by honor to watch Talladega Nights 
uh, whenever you're entertaining guests or at least have it on in the background. So I, th- I think at some point, would you get tired of the movie? No. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Actually, I think that's the beauty of this house. Uh, I would have bought it myself if I wasn't knee-deep in um, broken, non-running Corollas and stuff. So um, I would definitely buy the house. So there we go. Hey, uh, coming up here, we're going to talk about some interesting things. We're going to talk to Taka Ano, legendary drifter, later in the show, and play some of your car sounds and tell you how you can win some free stuff from our car sound giveaway sponsor. That's coming up right here. After the break, you're listening to Automotive ADHD on AM 1460, The Answer. At the Speed Council, getting things done fast is our priority. We do everything fast, from driving, working, sleeping, and eating. Someone help, he's choking! This is Tim. Hello. And by the time this ad is over, he'll have bicycled across the earth 69 times. Nice. Even if our name sounds unfamiliar, you know our work. F1? Pfft, child's play. The world's first supersonic jet? Yep, that was us. Apollo 11? Also us. The fastest animal in the sea? Hell, we even wrote the Wikipedia article. Fast. And we're so dedicated to speed that we've genetically engineered the world's first hyperspeed speed machine. With this scientific breakthrough, you can interact with and download your favorite automotive podcast a whole day early. How's that for fast? Learn more at facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. This message approved by the Speed Council and the Church of Fast Things. The news and events that matter to you. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. Colorado Springs number one car show by default. This is Automotive ADHD. Oh yeah, those car sounds were sent in by Scott with his 2002 Dodge Dakota with the 4.7 liter V8 with a 5-speed manual transmission. That is a fun way to enjoy that truck. Now, if you want to send your car sounds in just like Scott did, you uh, not only will get your car sounds on the radio, but you'll also be entered for a chance to win some free stuff from this month's Car Sound of the Month sponsor. Uh, now, remember, this car, this month's Car Sound giveaway is sponsored by Pelsey, P-E-L-S-E-E. They are the makers of the P12 Pro dash cam. Now, the P12 Pro, I really like the design of it because it keeps your windshield uncluttered. I hate suction cups and accessories all stuck to my windshield. I can't stand it. Now, the P12 uh, clips onto your existing rearview mirror, replaces that rearview mirror, and keeps your windshield uncluttered and free of stuff. Now, what's cool is it's got a forward-facing 4K camera. It's got a rear-facing camera that goes on the back of the car, doubles as a rear dash camera, right? But it also is your backup camera and it feeds that video to the on-screen the mirror uh the mirror screen combo you could say it's a mirror when you want it to be a mirror and it's a 12 inch lcd touchscreen when you want it to be a 12 inch lcd touchscreen and that's cool because it feeds that dash camera or that rear view camera feed up there when you're backing up which is naturally when you have a backup camera you're naturally going to look up at your rear view mirror you should be at least in my opinion um so that's a really great way to do it it solves a lot of design shortcomings of regular dash cams and best part is you have a chance to um to win one 
by sending your car sounds into the show. Uh, Facebook.com slash automotive ADHD is how you send those car sounds in. You can also email me, Matt, at throttlewarrior.com. And really, you should support the companies that support automotive ADHD. Who are, they, they are gracious enough to sponsor this show. And so really check out Pelsey uh, at Pelsey.com, P-E-L-S-E-E. Also, they wanted me to remind you that they now have a new product as well, um, which is the Pelsey P2 Trio. It's a three-channel dash cam. That means forward, forward 4K. You got rear-facing camera on the back of the car, 1080p, and then you've got an interior camera that's also 1080p, uh, as well as a ton of other features like IR night vision, uh, 5G Wi-Fi, uh, voice control, GPS. Like, there's a ton of stuff in this thing, so you should uh, you should check it out. It's a great option too, especially maybe if you um, if you're an Uber driver or a, you know a Lyft driver, uh, having that interior camera facing the occupants as well, you know, is a great piece of uh, it's great peace of mind uh, if something bad happens, if you get carjacked or whatever. So and that's really what these dash cameras provide is that accountability after something happens. Right. Like that is so important, especially in today, uh, this day and age now uh, where car theft and carjackings are rampant and on the rise. So really, you should uh, you should consider one of these products. You should consider something from Pelsey and support them because they support this show. So, again, thank you to uh, Pelsey there. Um, I got to talk about a couple of topics here in this segment, kind of some heavier topics, but they are worth talking about. And that is government regulation when it comes to a varying number of things like uh, speed limiters in cars, as well as the kill switch. You may have heard about the kill switch. It uh, News about it came out, I believe, last year that the government mandated um, in a uh, in the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, uh, specifically, if you want to get technical, Section 24220, that section in particular. But what that does is and I've talked about it before on the show, but it's worth talking about again, um, also because of some recent news. Um, but basically, to get you up to speed, it mandates that auto manufacturers have to have a kill switch. I say kill switch, but what it does is it determines if a driver is impaired um, and shuts the vehicle down. That's that's what it does. Now, the idea is to curb drunk driving. Now, don't get me wrong. I so I don't support the idea of having these autonomous kill switches uh, in vehicles. But that also that doesn't mean I support drunk driving. I think drunk driving is one of the most unforgivable things you can do with an automobile as it when it comes to endangering other people and causing a whole lot of trouble and heartache for a lot of people. I think drunk driving is a absolutely terrible thing right but just because i don't support the mandate to have this this orwellian sort of system that exists to uh, automatically shut cars down um just because i don't support that doesn't mean i support drunk driving i don't support drunk driving in any way i condone it 110 percent uh, and there are there are other solutions i think than what's being proposed here. But most recently here, um, Wyoming Congresswoman Representative Harriet Hageman, Hagman or Hageman, I'm, I, I'm not quite sure, so I'll say it both ways. So at least I'm, I'm 50% right. Uh, but she was among 199 Republicans and two Democrats voting to defund the kill switch mandate just earlier uh, this month. And unfortunately, the vote lost, meaning the kill switch mandate is in full effect, uh, entirely unchanged. And um, she makes a number of points that I think are very relevant. 
And I think they're very relevant questions that that obviously need attention. Right. Um, She says. Um, she says here, quote, this is a massive and likely unconstitutional rule and an invasion of privacy on a greater scale than we're used to seeing from our government. Um, now, she also goes on to say, quote, it leads to several additional questions. How does this technology in cases not involving the use of blood alcohol content determine if a driver is impaired? Could this technology by killing a vehicle operation cause a driver and its occupants to be stranded and place them in an even more dangerous situation? She finishes by saying, what are the implications of this technology malfunctioning? And those are all really valid questions that don't have clear answers, clearly, because there's a there's a fundamental flaw with the whole ideology of doing this. Um, You know, when someone gets a DUI, uh, a lot of times if someone gets a DUI, the courts will mandate that that person has to have um, a, a blood alcohol content meter, essentially, you know, the the little thing you blow into right to start the car. It has to have an ignition interlock, as they call it. Uh, And that is something that happens. That is something that prevents repeat offense by people who've committed uh, drunk driving. Um, And it's also a way to penalize someone who has committed drunk driving. It's very inconvenient. It's embarrassing to have it in your car. Right. So, you know, it's one of those things that this is basically mandating that everybody has one of those. This is essentially a mandate saying that every single person, whether or not you've like, even if you have never touched a drop of alcohol in your life and, ne- and will never do so, even if that's the case, that's basically saying you got to have one of those ignition interlocks. Like everyone just has to have one. And, and I think part of the fundamental flaw is that you're penalizing everybody for the um, for the crimes of, of a few and the crimes of a few tragically have resulted in deaths. I get why people who are passionate about this are passionate about it. Um, but I think we also have to look at why has drunk driving been on the rise? People who support the mandate for the kill switches, um, the people who support that cite statistics saying drunk driving's on the rise everywhere. More deaths are on the rise as a result of it. Okay, so why is that? Alcohol has existed long before automobiles, long through the existence of automobiles, and now. So why are drunk driving, you know, incidents on the rise? And they're not, by the way, these incidents they're citing aren't just drunk driving. These are impaired driving in general. So um, that also includes, um, you know, things like marijuana and other drugs, uh, things like that. And that'll tie into a point I'm going to make here as well. uh, with another with another story here. But the, the fact is, these impaired driving incidents are happening on a rise. Is it because more people have access to drugs, more drugs maybe are legal, but are being misused? Uh, how How is that happening? Right. I don't have those facts, but that's a question I have to ask is, is it because there's more legalization? Is it because there's uh, more illegal drugs that are available? What is the cause of that? Right. Uh, because, like I said, cars have been around for 100 years. Alcohol has been around for thousands, many tens of who knows who the first guy was to find that he could make beer or wine. Right. Like, who knows? Um, so I think there's clearly other issues here. And by just targeting the broadly shotgunning this, essentially having a breathalyzer in every car. Now they say, oh, well, it's not going to be a breathalyzer. It's going to use AI and cameras and things like that to determine you know, if you're impaired, well, then that that there's another question that gets raised by that, uh, which was brought up by uh, Representative Massey from Kentucky, who says, quote, it's almost sounds like the domain of science fiction, dystopian science fiction, that the federal government would put a kill switch in vehicles. He goes on to add that Americans have a fundamental right to travel. And, you know, he also brought up another point 
afterwards asking, well, what happens um, who's accountable for the data? If it uses cameras, if it uses AI, who's accountable for that? Do insurance companies get to view that? What does police use that information for? Um, there's all sorts of things. And then another question is, well, if this technology shuts a car down is uh, and allegedly there's a, maybe a potential waiting period to use the car again. Well, what if someone else gets in that car? How do you disable that? All of these factors are questions we shouldn't even have to ask in the first place. Um this ties into uh, one other thing here that I got to I got to get to before the end of this segment. I'm running out of time, but um, the National Transportation Safety Board um, has a f- has sent an official recommendation to um, automakers to have anti speeding technology, um, which would essentially be speed limiters, electronic speed limiters on a car. It would use, uh, you know, computer data and GPS and stuff to know what the speed limit is on the road you're on and just limit your car. There's two forms of this. One would just hard limit you to that speed. Another form would let you still speed or reduce the rate at which you're accelerating at the very minimum and give you buzzers and noises and things um, to tell you you're speeding. And this goes into the exact same issue Um, that we have with the kill switch, which is at this point, who owns the car, you, or does the car own you? Maybe you're owned by the car now, right? Who owns the car, but also, you know, who gets to say in an emergency that you can't speed. If you, uh, have a, a friend or a family member who's having a dire medical need and you need to get somewhere and having an ambulance waiting for an ambulance to show up would, would result in their death. I grew up in a rural area where, um, you know, an ambulance was a 45 minute wait for them to get to you, let alone get back to the hospital. Right. So there's other questions that are raised by that. And the same fundamental issue that you're penalizing a large group of people, everybody, um, you're penalizing them for the actions of a few, um, which just doesn't it doesn't sit right for me here. It just doesn't, especially as a car enthusiast. Yeah, I've been OK, fine. As a car enthusiast, I'll admit it. I've, I've squeezed that right pedal, that skinny pedal a little bit before gotten some wide open throttle, heard the engine roar. Um, but also understanding when to do that. Well, you shouldn't really be doing that. But the fact is, is that the same thing as what? some of the things that have prompted this issue that have prompted this recommendation have asked for and what are those i'll tell you about it right here after the break oh and i promise we're going to talk about f1 and talk to drifting legend taka ano here at the uh, end of the show that's in the fourth half so don't go anywhere you're listening to automotive adhd on am 1460 the answer ladies and gentlemen the speed council proudly presents Automotive ADHD, now on video. For better or for worse, subscribe to Automotive ADHD now playing on YouTube and Rumble. This is The Answer, online at am1460theanswer.com. All right, hey, those car sounds, I played them again. That's like the third time. I've played those car sounds. They're from OBD1 Kenobi, friend of the show. Flat six swapped Subaru. That thing's really fun. Uh, hey, you need to send your car sounds into the show. If anything, I think you should, this should be a competition now. You should compete with OBD1 Kenobi's car sounds. And you know what? It doesn't even have to be car sounds. I've had people send tractor sounds into the show. Um, so, you know what? Whatever you have, if it makes noise, even if it's an EV, figure out how to 
have it make some noise or something. Do do something with it and send it into the show. Don't get yourself in any trouble, though. If you uh, uh, if you get arrested getting car sounds for my show and you tell the cops, uh, yeah, this guy, Matt, on the radio told me to do it. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never heard of you. <laughs> I don't know who you are. So um, anyway, don't get yourself in trouble doing that. Um, also ties into uh, the topic I was uh, getting into here, and I'm going to wrap it up so I could talk about F1, which was a uh, uh, oh boy, oh boy, F1 in Vegas this weekend was a little shaky, but we're, we're going to get to that. Before the break, I was talking about speed limiters in cars as well as kill switches in cars and how I think that there is a fundamental flaw with the whole idea in doing so because it penalizes people who are otherwise law-abiding people. And you might say, well, a speed limiter is not penalizing law-abiding people because it's they're not law abiding if they're speeding. So just don't let them speed. But there's so many reasons why you would want to safely and legally um, exercise a little bit of speed, emergencies, uh, evasive maneuvers. There's all sorts of things that you need that response and that power right now to get out of a, out of a situation. Right. And not to mention, it's it, you know, it, it's a fundamental issue of at this point you know, who owns the vehicle, right? If, if if the vehicle gets to autonomously decide everything for you, um, that means we're just one step away from a dystopian future of self-driving cars uh, where people say, yeah, you know what? There's too many crashes on the road. Like, where do you stop? You say, oh, well, we need to mandate speed limiters. We need to mandate kill switches. We need to do all of this, you know? Well, eventually you're going to get to a point Imagine this, where they say, well, there's too many crashes on the road in general, and it's not because of, you know, we've already got mandates for the drunk driving stuff, and we've got mandates for the speed limiters. Um, then they're just going to say, well, we got this self-driving stuff. We're just going to ban driving. The computer's going to do it. It'll do it better. There's not going to be any crashes, right? Like, where, where do, morally, where do you stop there, right? If you open up this can of worms, you open up the entire thing, right? There's no stopping that at that point. Um, but with that, this story I was uh, telling you about, about the um, the speed limiters, this recommendation comes from the NTSB um, based off of uh, a specific incident that happened in 2022, January 2022. And this is tragic. It really is. Um, and this incident involved a driver of a Dodge Challenger barreling through an intersection in Las Vegas um, and crashing into a a uh, minivan that had seven passengers, a packed minivan. Um, nobody survived, by the way. Um, and I mean, that's I mean, truly a, it, it, the fact that even one person died is a tragedy. It really is. Um, so that being said, the NTSB says, OK, a speed limiter would have would have stopped this. Um, but that's only a Band-Aid because what they found in this investigation was in addition to speeding um the uh, the driver uh, of the vehicle uh, was doing 100 and some. What, what was it here? Uh, triple digits at the very least. It's like 103, mi- 103 miles an hour into this intersection in a city. I mean, come on, like, come on, man. What are you doing right there? Uh, but the fact is, they also found that the driver was also intoxicated, but also that driver's intoxication was a result of cocaine it's not even like you can't even say, oh, well, yeah, that's because, you know, in Las Vegas, marijuana's legal. No, it was cocaine. And among other things, probably a probably a entire mix of things. Um, not only that, it was uh, OK. Here it is specifically the NTSB, quote, determined uh, had tip Jalopnik, by the way, for the article. They said, quote, the NTSB determined the challenger driver's use of cocaine and PCP impaired his decision making as well as he had a history of speeding offenses. So they're saying that 
this is like saying, okay, the speeding caused the problem. Uh, well, I don't necessarily know if that's the case. The use of cocaine and PCP, that might have caused the problem there. Um, and also, would, would the use of cocaine and PCP even register on the, uh, uh, the system that's intended to detect drunk drivers? Uh, uh, a driver on alcohol versus a driver on cocaine are probably two very different things. Um, so, I mean, the, the fact is that I think there's a lot of other issues that are causing this like saying speeding killed someone is like saying that the result of somebody falling off a building and dying was gravity therefore we need to ban gravity that's essentially what this is saying that it really is so um let me know you know what send me a a message though right this is this is a divisive topic a lot of people say well yeah but we got to save every life we can so let's just ban everything let's just ban cars let's ban gravity right um and if you're one of those folks Hey, let me know, let me know your thoughts. This is an open discussion. Facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Um, do you agree with me that I think we should tackle these issues from a societal perspective rather than, you know, just outright banning gravity to use my analogy there? Um, how do you how do you think we should go about doing that? Let me know. Uh, that's what the Facebook page is for. I want your interaction on the show. Now, I promise talk of F1, not as much serious talk as government regulation and, 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 you know, drunk driving and stuff, right? Um, let's talk about F1. F1 in Las Vegas. I was in Las Vegas for the SEMA convention earlier this month, and I talked about my experience there. And if you want to listen to the show I did from there, it was amazing. Wesley Kagan, Amir Bentatu, wonderful guests on my show. Um, and of course, Wesley Kagan, uh, very, very knowledgeable guy when it comes to engineering, a YouTuber, Amir Bentatu, a Motor Trend TV host, uh, and all around a fantastic dude, a race car driver and uh, race engineer on top of that. So great interviews there. You can check that out in the podcast feed. Now, they were getting ready for F1. The roads and streets were, you know, all set up for to be converted into an F1 track. Last week, I talked about how this is the coldest F1 race ever because it's Nevada. It's a desert in the, you know, at the end of the year, right? Like at night, the desert gets cold and nobody at F1, none of the event organizers thought of that before initiating the uh, the whole event. So <laughs> this is just like the the issues were uh apparent at the very onset of this but nobody predicted nobody predicted exactly how it would go because it was worse than that it was worse let me roll this sound clip for you here give this a listen it is showtime our saturday night fight is five lights away and Formula One goes racing on the streets of Las Vegas with Charles Leclerc cutting across Max Verstappen, who is on the dirty side. The top two go off the road. Do they open the door for George Russell? Massive spin in the middle of the pack as well. Max Verstappen takes the lead in the opening 200 meters of the Grand Prix, but he was deep into the first turn as he did so. Cars absolutely... Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Uh... <laughs> That pretty much sums up the entire race. That was the first, what, 200 yards of the race? And everybody spun out and crashed into each other. And of course, Max Verstappen Verstappen pulled ahead uh, to the very front. Um, as he does, and that's how he ended, by the way. So, um, no, no big surprise there, really. I mean, it is, it is what it is. That's basically F1 uh, these days. But um, that being said, there were so many other issues. That was kind of indicative of the entire event because what happened at the event was, um, well, there were there were tons of issues that happened at the event. Um, one of one of those issues happened during qualifying, or well, not even qualifying, during practice runs. And um, some of these issues have even resulted 
in fans suing F1. Come on, they're suing F1? Yes. Uh, also, if I paid $100,000 for an F1 ticket, and, well, this happened to me, I, I might want to sue them too. I'll tell you about that and more coming up after the break, as well as a uh, little excerpt from my discussion with legendary drift driver Taka Ano about his 11,000 RPM AE86. That's coming up here in just a minute on Automotive ADHD. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve Turbocharged BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro. We'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes you, can make a difference. More information is available on the Automotive ADHD Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. Listen to that chop. Brap, brap, brap. Oh man, Christopher's Fox Mustang with a few nice mods, a nice cam. Oh man, that sounds good. Chris Chris sent those car sounds into the show and is entered for his chance to win the uh, Pelsey P12 Pro dash cam as well as the Automotive ADHD keychain and stickers. So a lot on the line there. Send your car sounds into the show if you want to have them featured and be entered for a chance to win some cool stuff. Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. Now... I was talking about F1 before the break and how much of a uh, catastrophe the entire race turned out to be, or even the whole event that that happened. Um, only eight minutes into the practice session before the race, a uh, loose water drain valve cover dislodged itself and uh, completely tore through Carlos Sainz uh, Ferrari, by the way, just destroyed it. And the drain cover uh, damaged the chassis, the hybrid battery pack, the engine. And then here's what's even nuttier about this. So remember, the, you know, Vegas Grand Prix is happening on the streets of Vegas. It's on the street. It's not a dedicated racetrack. It's a heavily modified street at this point, though, with barriers and all sorts of things and scaffolding around it and and all of this stuff, which I saw in person when I was uh, in Vegas. And of course, they had the, the big Vegas sphere in the background, you know, which was a aesthetic touch to the uh, to the visuals of this race and all of the flashing lights and signs. I almost wonder if all the flashing billboards and advertisements were a distraction. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there was a safety meeting about that. I'm sure there was. Um, but what's even crazier. So when this drain cover popped up, tore through the Ferrari um, the FIA then slapped the uh, Carlos Sainz with a 10 place grid penalty due to the fact that Ferrari had to replace the car's battery pack, um, which was a penalty, um, even though the incident as a whole was the FIA's fault. Right. They're in charge of safety on the racetrack, which means on a race like this that happens on a, a street that's converted to a racetrack. There's manhole covers, little those the big manhole covers. There's those smaller drain covers, which it seems like this was. It's their job to seal those off, whether that means bolting them down or in many cases, they just weld them. And then uh, then the city comes along and has to grind the welds off whenever they need to access that. But, you know, such is the uh, trade off you have for having an F1 track in your city. It just was mind blowing. The fact that the FIA gave him a penalty 
for something the FIA caused. I mean, come on. Now, it just went downhill from there just because uh, after that, the 3.85 mile track had to be inspected every inch of it. They checked every other little drain hole and manhole cover. Um, and that means practice that day didn't resume. This is Friday. Didn't resume until 2.30 in the morning. And by that time, security um, basically kicked everybody out, forced all the fans in attendance to head home. Uh, they paid to be there, obviously, but security said, nope, you got to leave, which caused huge gridlock and problems as all these people are trying to get out of the event. And now those same fans are filing a class action lawsuit uh, against F1 uh, for for this. And some are seeking as much as $30,000 in damages. Um, now, the venue, by the way, um, said, you know, at the time, like, oh, we're sorry you had to. You had to leave, you know, that 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 sucks, um, you know, and many of you paid tens of thousands of dollars for your ticket, um, but we'll give you a uh, $200 uh, gift card, basically $200 off at the official F1 shop. So you can buy some overpriced uh, ball caps and T-shirts and stuff. Um, I, I don't think people who paid triple digits for their tickets were very happy about that. I, I don't think they were. Um, $200 off at the merch shop. Yeah, sure, sure. But um, look, there were other issues at the event, too. There were loads of crashes and spinouts and all sorts of things. Uh, uh, McLaren's Lando Norris uh, had he crashed into a barrier and his car apparently bottomed out um, on a, a hump in the road or a distortion in the road, which caused him to spin and hit the wall. And, uh, he, uh, was it, you know, whose, whose fault was it? I don't know. I mean, granted, you know, you, you I've, I've criticized F1 for being too sanitized and too safe. I will give the Vegas event this, this, uh, I will give it at least the fact that it felt you know, exciting and you don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's like all this, you know, you know, first, you know, GP in Vegas, right. You know, like, okay, that's kind of exciting. So I, I don't know. I don't know. As a spectator, I enjoyed, I honestly enjoyed it. It was cool. And, uh, you know, I got to, I got to sit back and, and, and watch from afar and enjoy the, the spectacle of the racing. I'm sure again, for the people who live there, the people who spent money on the tickets, I'm sure they weren't very happy, but at the end of the day, Max Verstappen won. So, I mean, no one's surprised. Literally no one. Was anybody surprised? No. <laughs> so, hey, I promised you a discussion briefly with Taka Ano, drift driver, AE86 driver. I'm a fan of this guy because I like old Corollas too, and obviously he does. This man was responsible for bringing drifting to pretty much... You know, one of the guys responsible for bringing drifting and and tuner culture into the United States. This guy's a legend and he's a very humble man. And he, I talked to him for several minutes while at SEMA. I want to play a short clip from the interview, um, but I uh, you can find the full interview, the whole thing end to end. It's about 10 minutes on my YouTube page. Um Look up Automotive ADHD on YouTube. You can find it on Rumble as well. Uh, Rumble.com slash Automotive ADHD. Here we go. Takasan, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now, you have a very interesting AE86 here. Tell me a little bit about your car here. Okay, so the original build is for the street. Mm -hmm. And got to have AC, got to have power steering. Mm -hmm. Radio, uh, car is loud, so I don't need it. Okay, yeah, that's true, that's true. Power steering in the AC is a key. Okay. And uh, OS Geeken, the Japanese company, they create a very interesting kit that uh, they build the crankshaft and okay. a special rod and piston 
Okay. To create 11,000 RPM capable block. Okay. Okay. So idea is you're gonna overbuild the engine block. That way, it's gonna make more reliable against RPM, mm -hmm. which is there's an engine block called 7A FE. We use that 7A. It's a little bit taller deck engine. Right. It's a bigger bearing capability. So they use that. De-stroke it from 1.8 to 1.6. So you're taking a 7A block and going back to what the 4A displacement yeah. would be, 1.6 with the 4A. Yes. And right. uh, yeah, occasionally when you go race, even drifting or let's see autocross mm -hmm. or racetrack, Sometimes you see next turn, let's see uphill. Mm -hmm. If you upshift, you're gonna lose time. Right. Then you wanna stay in the same gear. True, and that RPM yeah. lets you stay in that gear yeah. and keep it in the power there. And that makes huge difference in lap time too. Wow. So when yeah, we are competing a long time ago, SCCA uh, Solo 2, you know, like we got national championship on the, like, the class on the A86. Really? We are keep changing the RPM range, but it could go only maybe like 8,000 or 8,500. Right. And yeah, you know, of course, the regulation doesn't allow us to do this, but <laughs> I wish I had an 11,000 RPM. Yeah. And I can stay in one gear and just the, the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> but now, idea, I'm not competing in anything, but I just want to hear that engine sound. Oh, I bet it sounds amazing. And with the individual throttles yeah. on there, I mean, the induction noise, I mean, there's nothing else like yeah. it. And uh, high compression and those things. You don't hear exhaust <laughs> inside a car. You just hear the intake is sucking <sighs> air. And that's beautiful sound. Uh, uh, Takasan, this is a beautiful car, very well built. And I imagine, I, too bad we can't hear it at 11,000 RPM in here right now. I know, yeah. I'd love to hear it. They're going to kick us out. Like, no time. <laughs> exactly. With a big fine on the ticket. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Don't come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Takasan, thank you very much for showing me your car. Thank you. Arigato gozaimasu. Arigato gozaimasu. And hey, lucky for you listening to this on the radio now, we couldn't rev the car in the SEMA convention, but here is a sound clip of that 11,000 RPM. Oh my gosh, it just keeps going. <laughs> hey, give him a follow, by the way, on Instagram at Taka, T-A-K-A-A-O-N-O-8-6. Taka Ano 86 on Instagram, and I really appreciate him uh, spending a few minutes to talk to me. Now, of course, I want to thank you for listening to this edition of the Automotive ADHD Show. Remember, next week, we're talking more roadside safety with Steve Emmers, the guardrail guy. This is an interview you don't want to miss next Sunday here on Automotive ADHD on AM 1460, The Answer.